Hello, Potshot listeners. This is a podcast. I'm mixing up the intro purely to mess with Alex Collins, who is here. <laughs> Hi. I'm, I'm actually more comfortable with this one. You're less weird and, like, robotic, so this feels more natural for me. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Regardless, it's between Christmas and New Year, we played West Ham. We beat West Ham. We are going to play Brighton. We're going to beat Brighton. Let's, let's get well, this clear. We're going to we beat I believe, I have faith. But we'll get to that at the end of the show. For now, we are going to talk about... We're going to talk about West Ham. We're going to talk about Brighton. We're going to talk about festive things. Because, you know what? It's between Christmas and New Year. How was your Christmas, Alex? My Christmas was great. I had food. I had alcohol. And I got Arsenal memorabilia. But we'll get onto that later in the show. How was your Christmas, Alex? Mine was nice. It was it was nice and cozy. Um, not too much happened. Yeah, it was just a, it's just your average Christmas. Uh, yeah, got gym clothes. Nice. and and some and some face stuff. So yeah, awesome. All good person gifts. Yeah. If you want nice to be not your average podcast listener, you know what you can do. You can send a review in on your podcast platform of choice. Let them know that you think the Potshot Podcast is the best Arsenal-related podcast in the world on the planet. Because we just just tweeting about this podcast isn't enough. We need everyone to listen to it. So you need to tell your friends leave good reviews, and make sure that everyone hears me fluff an intro like ten times. It's great. I do feel like you jumped straight from asking me about Christmas into promoting our pod. It doesn't really feel genuine. Your your questions about my my Christmas or whatever. We're we're here to do a pod. None of this is genuine. It's all a facade. (laughs) I'm so tired. That's true. I actually, I hate towels. That's the truth. Yeah, this this is true. (laughs) Uh, you'd, you'd know if you were a true pop shop listener. You can hear it in the uh, in the background. There is an underlying tension that we both hate each other. It's great. Shall we get into the pod though? <laughs> Should we get into the pod, Alex? No, let's get into therapy. <laughs> so Arsenal three, West Ham one. <laughs> <laughs> Arsenal 3, West Ham 1. Uh, we won the football match. Uh, and the time on first watching, it did not feel like we were doing particularly well in the first half. Uh, but then we came back with a bang. Three second half goals, all coming in quite quick succession of each other. Uh, and then we just coasted through and won the football game. So, I think that's pretty great. Um, let's start with our fantastic captain. Captain Fantastic, as they say. Martin Erdegaard, who looked like he had been waiting, you know, maybe six weeks to pull on a football shirt and play for Arsenal <laughs> again. He was waiting for that moment. Yeah, right from the first whistle, he was insane. Um, I actually think that's probably his best performance of the season so far, I would say. Yeah. I struggle to think of a better one. I mean, I think people might point to the Bournemouth one, but he, that's just because he scored, like... He controlled the game pretty much from the first whistle. Um, I mean, I think we can say so much about like what he did on the ball. Obviously, he got that like complete bot shot assist, but then he got a pretty nice assist too to add on to some really promising passes in the first half. Um, and then also there was that nutmeg later, that nice like crave turn nutmeg thing. Uh, for me, I kind of rewatching it, the most impressive thing was just how good he was defensively. Like he really had them pinned 
um, West Ham being them, like really struggling to build out. I don't think they actually made any like impressive move moves. Let me start again. I don't think they made any impressive like progressive sort of attacks down their left hand side at all. And a lot of it was just Odegaard like basically just sniffing out. He's so good at when we when we press really well as a unit, but he's so good at almost understanding like where or anticipating where the ball's gonna like go next or what the opposition's gonna try to do and he always just kind of gets there nips the ball off and then plays it back and he's he's a huge part of like our ability to and i say this like every week but our ability just to maintain pressure high up and i think west ham obviously i don't think they have the most impressive build-up patterns so maybe it made it a bit easy for odegaard but yeah you could really just see how dominant he was i think I don't think Declan Rice, who probably had nightmares about yeah. about Odegaard after Declan after Rice that imagines game. Martin Odegaard as the ghosts <laughs> of Christmas past, present, and you know, future, like, always over his shoulder, going to nick the ball. That creepy Chucky dolls, like now it's got Odegaard's face for him. I can kind of see how that works. <laughs> but yeah, what what did you think of the performance? Um, I yeah, I I agree. He was really really good. Possibly his best performance of the season so far. I think what impressed me the most about Erdogan's game was his gravity on the ball. We spoke about it a little bit, like, towards the back end of the pre-World Cup section of the season, about how, like, as we get better as a team, our star players start to, like, have this gravity where they just attract opposition players and create space on other areas of the pitch just by virtue of existing. And I think Martin Odegaard used that gravity to really good effect in this game. All the time he was pulling players, like pulling players across, beating a couple on the dribble and then playing it into some really, really nice areas. Uh, and I think Saka, we're not going to spend much time talking about Saka today because we've ranted and raved about how amazing he is quite a lot. But like Saka has this as well. And I think it's something it's something that's added an extra dimension to our attack that we haven't really spoken about much. Actually, it's interesting you speak about his gravity. I think he had a lot more sort of say on proceedings this game compared to... It's almost like how he, how he was playing last season in terms of he had a lot of influence or say on what we did on the ball, mm. which he has he has done this season. But I think we're definitely going to speak about Eddie and like the striker situation and everything later. But I think... I think with Gabby J, he often kind of dropped into the areas that now we, we saw Odegaard kind of operating, especially in that first half, like in the, in the pocket, he was playing a lot and it was really good to see again. Other thing, actually, if we, if we go back to last season was you would always see him like holding that width, like really hugging, hugging the line on the right and then coming in. And we saw that a lot today. And I, I found that quite interesting because we haven't really seen that from him this season, um, really pulling out so far, right? And it's interesting now. Yeah, just that general, like, receiving right and kind of coming inside um, is something we saw a lot last season we we saw yesterday. I thought it was yesterday, and I thought it was great. Why do you think that is? Because that's, to my mind, uh, like, that's something we saw last season. It's something that we haven't seen much this season until today, which implies that that pulling out wide is a result of Gabby Jesus not being there somehow. So, why? Because that doesn't make much sense to me, like intuitively. Yeah, I, I, I don't have an answer to that as of yet. I found it, I found it quite interesting. I mean, I can say why he hasn't been sitting out so far right this season. It's like everyone's kind of divided up there 
their share of the ball. And he was sort of the main man on proceedings in terms of anything we really did last season. But now we have a lot, we see a lot more of Xhaka sort of receiving in those areas uh, on, on the left side, of course. We see a lot more of Martinelli on the ball, slightly deeper. Uh, we still see about as much of Bakayo as we have seen. And obviously Gabby J dropping deep. I don't really know why he pulled out right. Maybe it was a tactical thing just to deal with the team, but it did work very, very well. Um, and I think basically what I'll say is that he kind of found a lot of freedom there, but then he also had to find a lot of freedom to kind of cut in and, and drive inside into the pocket and then try play those passes. So I assume it was something just to kind of evade any pressure, maybe maybe getting away from, from Declan Rice defensively, potentially. Yeah, Martin Odegaard running away from Declan Rice with the ball and then going at him without <laughs> it. Absolutely snapping at him, which worked well. So, from one player who has had his role adapted, changed by Gabby Jesus' absence, to another. And this man has had his role changed from holding bench to starting up front. Uh, it's Eddie Nketiah who came in for Jesus today. We expect that he will be continuing to come in for Jesus over the next few months. And he was really, really impressive. Alex, what was your favourite thing about Eddie's play today? I think it's hard to look past that swivel turn and shot for the goal. I mean, I absolutely love that. And uh, it's something Eddie's had in his locker for the last couple years now, and he's just got better and better at it. Um, besides that, I think it was just a very good performance. It gave me a lot of um, encouragement about him being able to to step in. And I've kind of had this had this belief in Eddie to be able to step up. So I'm, I'm happy that he's kind of confirming that for us. Um Obviously, what we didn't see is that he, it was a different performance than you would have got from Gabby J. He's not come in to completely like play the Gabby J way, right? He was he was dropping deep, but he wasn't drifting out wide and receiving in those wide areas and serving those rotations, especially, you know, in like zone 16 and 18 and like the areas to the sides of the box, right? Um, you don't see him there at all. At best, you kind of see him maybe receiving a little bit deeper by the halfway line out on the left. But... Yeah, so basically what I would say is it kind of looked like he was playing the role, the centre-forward role that Alex Lacazette was playing in the second half of last season, which was like very much narrow, like in the centre of the pitch, but up and down. And that's what impressed me. Like, even though he's not playing like the Gabby J role, he was dropping deep a lot. I think his hold-up play is really good now. I think just you can see how much he's worked on his strength over the last couple of years. And yeah, it just really comes through. Like, this is not the player, and we've spoken about it before, but this isn't the player that he was like two years ago, the guy who came back from Leeds, like he's just much more rounded out. And even if he doesn't have those things where, you know, what, what we did see is he received kind of just outside in the pockets. So zone 14, just before the box quite often. And what Gabby J would do is he kind of dribble or draw something or play a pass. Like Eddie doesn't do that. And I never see him having that in his locker. But what he did do is that he managed to hold on, keep possession and kind of play it off before coming into the middle. Um, so yeah, maybe he doesn't have that extra bit that like Abby J could do there, but he, he can, he can kind of fit within the system, which is not losing possession and maintaining pressure in those, in those areas. Yeah. I think the thing that impressed me most about Eddie's performance is something that I spoke about not being sure if he could do last week with Moram which is his ability to drop into midfield and have players run beyond him uh, in 
and help really help with our ball progression. Like you mentioned there, how he was moving up and down a lot, and I watched. I really focused on him when I was watching the first half, and you could really see it. Like he'd come into midfield, play like a really quick pass off to someone else and then spin off and get himself back forward again and it was a really big part of how we moved the ball up the pitch and I think it was really really good to see um that spin as well uh that we all saw used to great effect for the goal he was doing it all game trying it all game whether it be in the box in the middle of the park in those transition opportunities or like just wherever he popped up if the ball was played into his feet he was almost certainly gonna try and back into his man and spin and I think that's really he shows that he's being really positive on the ball and always looking to get forward, and I really like that. I think he's going to be different to Jesus. Of course, he's going to be different to Jesus, but I think he's going to be really. I, I think it's going to be a plus for us having him in there. Yeah, I mean, just to add on to that point that you spoke about, how he likes to kind of receive. I think that's one thing that maybe as a team, and you know, we're basically playing the same eleven every week. I think they're very used to how Gabby J likes to receive. He kind of likes to run out towards catching and then kind of carry the ball in or whatever right I mean Gabby J can receive in a lot of ways you know how much we don't need to speak about how much I love Gabby J I think there's still that that need to kind of learn how or get used to how Eddie wants to receive it like there were a lot of moments where he does like to kind of stay central and he starts his movement as the pass is made into him either whether it's backing away to turn a turn with the ball or receive it as it's coming towards him or running in like that's how he kind of likes to move he really waits for the pass before he makes his his move Mm. Um, and I think it looked a bit static in the box at times in the, in the first half, I would say, because he was kind of begging for this pass in, but there wasn't that kind of movement that he was bringing with it for players to want to pass in. But I think once they kind of get used to that, just him being, and I'm sure they are used to it in a sense, like they've trained with him every day, but I did get that frustration from him in the first half. Like he was waiting for these passes. And I think when they kind of play those passes in, um, we'll, we'll see even more joy. I mean, I, I'm not sure how many massive chances he got in that game in those positions. Probably just the one. But I think if we get guys like Saka and Odegaard trying to play into him more, I think, I think we'll get even more joy out of that. Obviously, I don't think he's going to replace what we do deeper, but like you said, he can do the job there. And that's, that's very important to being able to play this role. And the mobility is huge as well. Yeah. I think we, when we've spoken in these last couple of weeks about like what, we'd miss with Jesus being out I think in this game we started to see how we'll use other players in the squad to replicate or replace everything that Jesus does like Eddie's going to give us a little bit more box presence and then Erdogan's going to get the keys a little bit more to the creative side we're going to see a lot probably less combination play down the left hand side uh like especially far forward I don't think that's going to be how we create part create chances with Eddie in there I think is more likely going to be um, Erdogan and Saka on the right hand side well, obviously there will be link play coming down the left like Martinelli and Zinchenko and Xhaka are still there but there's not going to be like the level of rotation that we saw um, with Xhaka, Jesus um, Zinchenko, Martinelli coming down there. And actually I think that's part of the, like, the big thing of encouragement for me is that when we were speaking about it last week even it's just we were speaking about how important those rotations are just to pull teams out and, you know, manufacture chances. And I think what we didn't see is we didn't see as much rotation in terms of Eddie being involved with the rotations. Obviously, there were still those rotations on the left, right? Yeah. But but we still looked pretty dangerous. I think what I found quite interesting in terms of our rotations, if we could speak about all that mm-hmm. on the left, is that, I mean, this season we've been trying to have like Tierney invert and stuff. 
and kind of play, you know, like the role that Zinchenko has been playing, right? Um, we didn't try to do that, at least in the first half, much at all. We basically used him as I think you should use Tierney. Obviously, you need to fit players into systems sometimes. But we used him as like that wing-back, full-back type, really, you know, positioned quite high and wide on the left, uh, relatively wide, relatively high at, t- at times. Um, and, you know, just kind of holding that width. And we actually had Martinelli kind of coming a little bit more inside to the position where Xhaka normally kind of takes up. And then in turn, Xhaka dropping into to be kind of a standard, you know, your convention, conventional vanilla base of having um, Xhaka next to number five, you know, as it, sh- as it should be <laughs> back in the old tactics, right? On that note, I, I, we did still see, like, as, as much as Xhaka, like, in in early build-up was doing that, was dropping into the double pivot, I, I we did still see him pushing past Eddie a lot and taking up spaces, like, occupying the centre-backs a lot. Like, he was still making those runs that he's making earlier in the season. Yeah. And, I, and I'm personally really happy to see that. I was worried that with Jesus gone, that he wouldn't be making those runs forward so much. So I'm really pleased to see that he still is, and he's still, probably, I still think, going to get quite a few goals. 100%. There's still that fluidity there, and I think we even saw that. But we saw it more when... Maybe even Martinelli was dropping in a little bit, and Tierney was playing more in the middle. Then, then I think most of the first half, Jaka was playing a lot deeper, and was actually playing quite far to the right at times. Um, so he was really playing that sort of inverted um, fullback role that we've been seeing Zinchenko fulfill. Um, but yeah, I thought it, I thought it worked out well. I was actually quite low on us in the first half. On first viewing, I thought we were quite. And I wasn't that impressed, but on rewatch, I think we were pretty good. I think maybe it was a bit of outcome bias from me, but like it was just not getting that last thing to click. And we were actually close a number of times to get getting that last pass and last shot off. I think we played quite well in the first half, to be honest. And it's encouraging because we had we were making compromises on on the way we've been playing so successfully, and to still have a pretty good attacking performance all in all. I don't really rate West Ham that highly. I, I, we spoke about this before the game. Maybe I was being a bit harsh, but I think that kind of shit, um, and especially given the value that they have, right? The value, um, the valuable players, the good players that they have. But yeah, no, it was a pretty impressive performance. Um, one other thing I found interesting is we actually did see Tierney playing like the Xhaka role, if you want to call it, at times, where he was kind of like sitting inside and, and Martinelli was kind of sitting out wide and then obviously Xhaka was sitting deep. Let's t- chat a little bit more about Tierney, because obviously he played today because Zinchenko was not quite fit to start, but is it fair to say that today was Tierney's best performance of the season in an Arsenal shirt as well? Uh, I'm not sure. I can't actually tell you which one I would. I wouldn't say that he had a great performance today, but I think he was solid. I think maybe there were a little bit of question marks over his tracking for for their penalty well, the penalty incident, uh, well, in the lead-up to the penalty incident, I should say. I, I think it, it's a bit harsh. I think Antonio took it pretty well out of the air and kind of changed both him and Saliba, caught him and Saliba off guard, if we speak about that goal. Uh, other than that, I don't know. I was hoping to see a little bit more offensively from him, to be honest, because I think he did. we did get him in nice situations with space down the left. But sometimes it's just like the one that final cross doesn't come off or whatever. So yeah, so yeah, I was I was happy with Tierney. I was happy that we used him in that way and that it worked out. I'll say that because he looks a bit rigid and co- uncomfortable when he's inverting, and it's yeah, I think this suits him better. And the fact that we're managing to have a cohesive performance 
adjusting for that is quite is quite exciting. Yeah, that that's fair. I I guess mate, I was possibly being like overly positive about it, but like what I meant was because we were using him in a more comfortable role, he looked more comfortable than he has done on quite a few times this season. Because like we haven't seen much of him, right? Like like he he's played in fits and starts, but like we've seen Tomiyasu playing left back as much as we've seen Tierney this season. I agree with you. I think it was definitely like. I, it was the most comfortable looking performance in the Premier League, probably. I would agree with you on mm. that. Um, and I think it is partly the adjustments that we've made, especially first off, there, there was a little bit, he wasn't voting a little bit more, um, as part of like the second phase or second line in the first phase of build up. So basically the two of the three, two build up structure. Um, he was doing that more in the second half. He looked pretty comfortable there too, maybe because it was early on and West Ham were putting no pressure because they were just deep blocking. Um, I don't think we saw much of him inverting after after we took the lead. Not that West Ham really did much to kind of fight their way back in, but this isn't a West Ham part. We'll move on. <laughs> but but yeah, no, I agree with you. And I really want him to do well, like on a personal level. I really like Tierney just as a person as well. So And I feel like he's kind of been like, he feels like the guy who's been left behind a little bit this season, um, which is sad, especially since also I think like a lot of it, the rigidness of his play comes from like many, many, many injuries from playing for Celtic when he kind of pushed through. Mm. So I'd really like him to have that sort of like more fulfilling thing and kind of become, yeah, you know, someone who we can who we can feel like we can play in the big games or play in our system properly. When Zinchenko isn't even necessarily fit, you, um, when when Zinchenko is fit, I should say. Tierney wasn't the only member of that backline to have a good game. Uh, Gabriel and Ben White were also uh, quite impressive. Ben White, in particular, in a changed role from the quite fluid, sometimes a third centre-back, sometimes a full-back role that we seem to have used in, in build-up in the first part of the season. Alex, what was different about the way that Ben White was used this game compared to what we've seen before? I think this is probably the performance for the first time in a while, if not this whole season, that we've really used. We almost had three centre-backs playing, and he was playing like this pseudo-right-back role where he was really just a centre-back who who moved forward and did move into the final third at times. I think that role was probably like the ideal Ben White role, and it suited him down to the ground. I think he, behind Odegaard, he was our best player, um... He was absolutely exceptional. Like some of the passes, the guy genuinely like astounds me how good he's got. Um, and I think, yeah, that, that really worked. I think we did also use that because they had to, you know, because of their four four two block structure, we kind of just had Ben White out on the wide. Um, also allowed us, I think you made some nice points about that before we had the pod, right? So maybe you want to bring those in about how aggressive it allowed us to use Gabriel with Saliba moving more to the left this game. Yeah, so uh, what I was saying to you before the pod is like quite a specific thing that I saw, uh, I read about a little while ago uh, that I noticed we were countering in this game. Uh, I I apologise, I can't remember who wrote about it, it might have even been in video form, but uh, West Ham have this thing where off of goal kicks specifically, they will look to aim their goal kicks at Thomas Suchek over on the wide left. Uh, to try and target opposition fullbacks uh, or like opposition midfielders over on that side who perhaps are a little bit shorter. And what we were doing basically is we were pushing, instead of having Suchek met there by, say, Thomas Partey 
or by Kieran Tierney, we were pushing up Gabriel to try and win that ball, and Thomas Partey was dropping in back from the sixth position to fill in at centre-back behind him. And this... There was one... The notable time when this happened actually didn't work, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> uh, Gabriel lost the header, and they were able to get a chance from Antonio running in behind. Oh, yeah, it was, yeah, um, it was a chance. But uh, it was... Interesting thing that Arteta must have noticed that West Ham do this with pushing Sushek over and like made a plan to counter it that involved using um, Gabriel's aggressiveness uh, to try and counter that. I think it it, it made sense as well. And it was, we used him quite aggressively the whole game. I was also just thinking now it came to me, but I mean, what we spoke about when Sinchenko first arrived is about how good that like defensive partnership in the wide spaces is between Tierney and Gabriel. And it's interesting how aggressively we used Gabriel now with Tierney kind of back alongside and being able to shore up. Because I think Tierney's very good at kind of reading if Gabriel's going high, he needs to protect that area behind. Maybe I wouldn't say that that really showed through in this game, but it's interesting that we use Gabriel like almost like really like I would say like a dog snapping at, at West Ham players' heels or jumping over their backs, right? this game compared to other ones where he, he plays quite aggressively under Arteta, but not, not to this extent. Um, and I think it did work, to be fair. Yeah. Re- returning to Ben White quickly, uh, we've spoken... Well, we've spoken. You've spoken on Twitter <laughs> uh, to friend of the pod, Abdul, about Ben White's improvement as a player over the last little while and how some of the weaknesses that you've seen in his game in the past have not been there as much this season, which obviously is really good and shows that we've been doing a good job with him, that he's been playing well. Uh, but do you think that he is looking less rash? He is looking less positionally suspect uh, because of him just getting better as a player? Or has his change in role masked some of these issues? Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. And actually, I brought that up at the time. Like, I think I think it's true that Ben White, especially we saw this improvement over the course of last season too, right? I think from January, he was pretty imperious throughout. And there were a lot of problems that I think people have kind of forgotten about that he had beforehand. He was prone to, the, to being rash at times and snapping out. And it generally came in those moments where he was running back towards goal. Um, I think that's improved genuinely just... As part of like playing under us, I've been very impressed with how much it's improved. Um, but it's definitely become less of an issue also just because we've pushed him out right. And I think especially also he had some positional stuff that that he sometimes, you know, I feel like were minor but gave me pause. And I think that's kind of, we don't notice that at all anymore. Maybe because he's also got now Saliba protecting him a little bit more. But yeah, basically, the role, like I said, like the role he plays now is pretty much perfect. He feels like the perfect player where he's playing at the moment. So, yeah, I do think it's a bit of both. Uh, and the answer, as always, to any question that's, uh, is it this or this, black or white? The answer is almost always both. See, we're pretty boring. We're too boring about that. We need we need to start having, like, hot takes. Like, nah, he's just being protected. He's still shit. That's all right. I'm still going to ask you to predict the Brighton game. Ben shites. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, I, I love coming up with slander names. It's very fun, isn't it? <laughs> 
God. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I hate that the best uh, slander name I've ever heard was still for an Arsenal player. Alex lacks a threat is the best yeah, one I've ever heard. That one and Martin Odegaard. Those are the two. <laughs> uh, well, no, no one's going to be using that Odegaard one any time <laughs> soon because he's just he's too good. Uh, but let's move on to the Brighton game. We are playing Brighton on New Year's Eve uh, and it's pretty common consensus that they're pretty good but uh like obviously a lot of that in the past has come from the fact that graham potter has been their manager and everyone loves graham potter because he does nice manager things uh but now graham potter is not their manager and they've got roberto de Zerbi instead who is another tactico's darling who everyone loves and had definitely heard of unless you're me i didn't have a clue who he was but that's fine. One of the hallmarks of a Deserby side that we have seen earlier on in his time as Brighton manager is the way that they like to build up in possession. Uh, a lot of teams you'll see they kind of push up the ball slowly and then kind of camp out outside the opposition area. We do this. Manchester City does, does this. Like It's the commonly accepted way to play football well. Except that's not what Brighton do. Instead... They will try and draw the opposition onto them, try and get the opposition to press them by playing the ball around the back. And then once they've brought the opposition forward, ping, 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 they will play some really quick, direct passes to get up and in behind the opposition very quickly. Uh, and it's worked at good effect so far in his time at Brighton. Obviously, it's not like super slick, but this Brighton squad is good and smart, so they've been able to do it pretty well. And you can see it if you look at like the highlights of the Southampton game, they do it quite a few times in the game that they played on Boxing Day. But, Alex, I just want to know, what do you, do you think we are set up well to deal with this? Do you think Brighton are going to be able to play through our press? Or are we going to be able to stop them from doing that? I think we have one of the best presses in the world, like probably a top three, I would just say, without trying to name everyone, all the teams that have. So I think it would be very difficult. We have very good, and very good. Uh, I think we have very intelligent players to be able to read that. And I think Arteta will, will know what Deserbi is trying to do. So that all informs it, right? Um, you know, whether, whether it happens or not, um, that's a different story. I'm definitely like, I can see them playing through us and giving us trouble. But I can also potentially see us with kind of what I think is really good about our press is that we know when to activate. And I think that might be a key thing in um in closing them off. I have to say that I haven't watched an awful lot of... I did watch them versus Southampton at one half. Uh, but I haven't watched an awful lot of Brighton since he arrived. But... Yeah, that's that's pretty much my input. <laughs> yeah, I will, I will say that Brighton are currently seventh in the league, actually above Graham Potter's Chelsea on goal difference, which is hilarious. Um, so <laughs> they're still really good, uh, and it'll be interesting to see how we fare against them at the weekend. Let's do a cheeky little prediction. I still think we're going to beat them. I think it'll be 2-0 to Arsenal. 2-1 to, to Arsenal. Right festivity so for christmas this year i was gifted by my aunt a book alex this book oh, is yes. called I know about this. the best arsenal trivia book ever and it's by house of ballers in this book there are fun facts about arsenal and various multiple choice questions 
on varying topics. So I thought it would be funny if I got you to answer one of them every podcast episode. How do you feel about this? I feel like I don't have a choice. I've been doing these score predictions against my will anyways, so... <laughs> so you might as well. So why not? <laughs> might as well. Now, we're going to start where all good stories start at the beginning. And we're going to go with the first set of trivia questions, which is on page 10. And we're going to go with the first one. So, when was the first season Arsenal featured in the first division? Is it A, 1893, B, 1913, C, 1904, or D, 1899? B, 1913. That is incorrect. The answer is uh, C, 1904. Well done, you, uh, if you got that correct at home. We will absolutely be doing this at the end of every single episode, so I hope you're ready to learn stuff about Arsenal, and then the next time you do a big, fat Arsenal quiz with all your Arsenal friends that you've recommended the Potshot podcast to, you'll all get the right answers, because you've all been listening to the Potshot and getting the answers from the book. Uh, also, I don't promise the accuracy of some of these, because I flicked to a random page and saw that they got one of the facts wrong. Um, so, whoops. Anyway, we should probably end the podcast, shouldn't we? <laughs> I think it's time. I think it I is think time. It's time. Always a pleasure um, oh, yeah, doing it's been this year with you. Thanks very much for coming. Uh, well, why was I about to say thanks very much for coming on? You're always here. Thanks very much for being here as always and being smarter than me. That's what I say. <laughs> Where is your Twitter for people that want that? It's AlexFRCO. You're welcome to follow me. You're welcome to follow me at Alex Towels. You're welcome to follow the podcast at PotShotPod. And you're welcome to go to Spotify and find James Blake, the man who makes the music for the pod, at JW Blake. Even go and look at his YouTube. I think he's making a YouTube series about making music. But probably not right now because it's Christmas, so he's probably just spending time with family. Uh, but yeah, please make sure to leave us a like and a review and tell your Arsenal friends that we exist. And we will be back next week talking about the Brighton game that we're going to play and we're going to win. See you there.